What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In Isaiah 54, 17, Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness of me, saith the Lord. And there was a time, there was a time when the Lord Jesus was with his disciples, and they started to argue among themselves. And he knew what they were arguing about. And there was a strife, it says in Luke 22, 24, Luke 22, 24. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest? That sounds like a good thing to argue about. (laughs) And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors, but ye shall not be so. He that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, let him be as the, the one that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations." And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at the table of my kingdom and sit at the thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So they start to argue who was the greatest among them. And at that time, the Lord says to them, you are those that have continued with me in my temptation, in Luke twenty two twenty eight. 28. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And after that, then the Lord speaks about how Peter is going to, making reference to Peter's temptation, when Peter is going to horribly deny the Lord three times, he's going to say that Jesus was only a man, he's going to curse and say that he never even knew Jesus. That's what he's referring to. And with that in mind, 
you ask the question, how could the Lord say with that in mind, ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations? Continued with him in his temptations? How about his greatest temptation which was coming up when he was gonna be in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was gonna be tempted to not accept to drink the cup of God's wrath for our sins. He's gonna pray that that cup is taken away. That was his greatest temptation. And what were the disciples doing? Were they continuing with him in his temptation? Mark 14.32, Mark 14.32, they came to a place which was called Gethsemane. He saith to his disciples, sit ye here while I shall pray. He taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and very heavy. He saith unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry here and watch. He went a little further, fell on the ground, prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but what thou wilt. He cometh and findeth them sleeping and saith unto them, Peter, see it's a Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Unless ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away, prayed, spake the same words, and when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. He cometh a third time and saith to them, sleep on now. Take your rest, it's enough. The hour's come. So the Lord is going into his greatest temptation. He's just asked them, just stay awake and pray. And they sleep. Instead of pray, they lie and sleep. And uh, not just once, three times. And how could the Lord say to them that you are those who have continued with me in my temptation? He could say that because he was for them and not against them. And he could focus on the downfall of Peter, as he did, and say, you are they which have continued with my temptation. That's very encouraging for us. As we look at our failures, we condemn ourselves. We say, oh no, how could I have done that? I failed, I'm such a failure. And the Lord doesn't come to us and says, yeah, you know you are. How could you have done that? He doesn't do that. He comes and he, he says things like Luke 22, 32, Luke 22, 32. I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And looking back over our lives, the Lord could say, Luke 22, 28, Luke 22, 28, you are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And this is what he's doing here with John the Baptist. He's not saying, John, a total failure. After all, John, you saw heaven open. Nobody else saw that. You saw God the Spirit descending on me as a dove. No one saw that. How could you now doubt if I'm the Messiah? He didn't do that. And the Lord continued to press the point of the question, what'd you leave the city to go for? Go see out in the wilderness. He goes, verse eight, what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. You went to the wrong place, in other words. That's what you're after. So he was saying, so tell me, how did you see John's clothing? Did you see him like in silk shirts and cashmere sweaters out there? It says in Matthew 3, 4, Matthew 3, 4, the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. John looked like a mountain man out there, dressed in camel's hair. Camel's hair is coarse, it's stiff. Locust, 
It's not exactly a delicacy. You wouldn't go to a fine restaurant and hear the radio say, here you go, sir, is a nice plate of roasted grasshoppers? <laughs> Drizzled with wonderful honey. Hmm. <laughs> Looks good. And why did the Lord call this to their attention, what John was wearing and what he was eating? Because the Lord was commending John for staying true to his calling in life. If you had a choice of something very comfortable, you wouldn't choose camel's hair, that's stiff course. You wouldn't be eating locusts and honey. And so, but John's calling was all important to him, more important than what he wore and how, what he ate. Because John's calling was to be God's messenger, prepare the people for the, to receive Jesus, the Messiah. And John had a purpose in life. John had a goal in life. And John kept to that purpose. John kept to that goal the center of his life. It says about John in Acts 13.25, Acts 13.25, John fulfilled his course. John fulfilled his course. What a statement. He fulfilled his course. We should all have that be said about us. We fulfilled our course in life. How do you do that? How do you fulfill your course in life? Well, the first thing you gotta do, you gotta find out what that course is. Find it. God doesn't give each person a certificate when they're born, say, well, there's a certificate, this is the assignment from heaven for you from life. Doesn't do that. A person has to discover what their course is that God has for them in life. And that discovery is not made in an easy chair. We discover our individual courses in our lives when we do what it says in Hosea 6.3, Hosea 6.3, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. God doesn't want to be in the dark as far as what he has assigned for us as our life accomplishments and what our life job is. He wants to reveal it to us, but he only wants to show it to us if we really value it and really want it. He doesn't want to find our life assignment like paper dropped in some mud puddle that's been walked on. He wants us to really want it and value it, then he'll reveal it. The last word that the Lord Jesus cried out from the cross, which is translated for us, finished, or was in Hebrew, asa, which means done or accomplished. And what he was saying with that last word that he, he, he cried out, he finished it, he accomplished it, our redemption, our, he told God the Father in John 17, 4, John 17, 4, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So the first step for us in finishing a life course of a work that God has given to us to do is to find it. And the greatest enemy of finishing a life course, especially here in America's finest city here, San Diego, is the problem of la vita e bella, la dolce vita. Life is beautiful. Life is sweet. And to go the easy way, the soft life, which is what the Lord's referring to, when he said about John, did you see a person out there in soft clothing? The Lord's saying, John the Baptist didn't wear soft clothing and live in a king's house because he was following the course in order to fulfill it of his life. And the second step is to having found the course, it's to follow it. In other words, get going, get started. And the third step in the road to fulfilling a life course is finish it, finish it. Don't give up. And this is what the life of John the Baptist was all about because there's no finding 
and there's no following, and there's no finishing God's life course for anyone until there's first a reconciliation between God and man. And that was the role of John the Baptist. He was bringing people to be able to finish, to find, follow, and finish their own individual courses by first getting reconciled to God. Start with a recognition of personal sin. Start with a repentance of personal sin. And that was John the Baptist. That's what the John the Baptist did. The devil says, that doesn't matter what you do in life. Your greatest accomplishment in life is to live longer than the average life expectancy. That's your greatest thing. <laughs> Make it to your 100 years old. Dodge the bullets of cancer and heart disease and diabetes and COVID. You made it. Congratulations. The devil says, you will have reached your goal in life if you can look back on your life and said, I ate healthy. I exercised. I avoided taking all those nasty pharmaceuticals that are expensive. And look at me now. I made it. I'm 95 years old. I'm still going strong. The devil says, it doesn't matter what you do in life. Just enjoy your life. Beat the odds. Live long. You know, when my Ethiopian friend, Tomeskin, was only 12 years old in Ethiopia, and he was diagnosed with fatal osteosarcoma in his right leg, and he only lived three more years after that. And anyway, when he was back there in Ethiopia and his leg was amputated, Dr. Rick Hodes, Jewish doctor sent there by the Jewish Federation to work with kids with cancer, when Dr. Rick Hodes asked him in his wonderful bedside manner, he said, Tomeskin, are you afraid to die? Now, Tomeskin's only 12 years old, and Rick says, are you afraid to die? Uh, but it's what Tomeskin, and Rick was so impressed with this, with his answer, that when Rick and I had dinner at the restaurant, the Sheraton, and I sat down with Rick, and, and he was telling me about this conversation, because it impressed him. And uh, so Rick says to Tomeskin, are you afraid to die? And then Rick told me, he said, Tomeskin told me, I'm not afraid to die, because everyone's going to die. It doesn't matter when you die. What matters is what you do before you die. That was a message from God. It didn't matter how old John the Baptist was when he died. What mattered was Acts 13.25, Acts 13.25, John fulfilled his course. And what was his course? His course was, what went you out for to see in verse 9 and 10? Verse uh, Matthew 11, 9 and 10. What went you out for to see, a prophet? Yeah, I say unto you, more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. John's course was to be more than a prophet. More than that. He was the, he was the subject of the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi. The last two chapters, chapter 3 and 4. Malachi 3.1, Malachi 3.1, Behold, I send my messenger, he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord is speaking in Malachi 3.1. The Lord is speaking. He says, I will send my messenger, shall prepare the way before thee, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, who messenger of the covenant, who you delight in. He said, he shall come. And then he finishes up that verse by saying, saith the Lord of hosts. It's God who's speaking in Malachi 3.1 when he says, I'll send my messenger. 
And it's God who is saying, and I will come to the temple suddenly, which he did. And it's God who's saying, I am the messenger of peace. I am the messenger, the messenger of the covenant. The messenger of the covenant has always been known as the Messiah. He's the messenger of the covenant. So what God is saying there and what John the Baptist announced is that the Messiah is God. That's the great announcement. He is more than a prophet because he's announcing that the Messiah is God and that the Messiah is Jesus of Nazareth. And then he says that there's not risen a greater than John the Baptist in verse 11. Verse 11, greater because he was so humble. Now, he says in verse 13, all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, until John. He says that. Very important statement. What the Lord has just done there is he's packaged the law, which is Moses' five books, the law. Then the whole rest of the Old Testament, he's calling the prophets. He says that all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. He's saying that he's taken this package of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, he's put them all there, and he says, it's all until John, until John. So he's saying something very significant here. All the Old Testament pointed to the coming of the Messiah. That's what Jesus said. Search the scriptures, they testify of me. All of them pointed to the Messiah. All of them said things like, behold, a virgin shall conceive in Isaiah 7:14. But then John comes and it all changes when he says not behold the virgin shall conceive but behold the lamb of God. And that was the change of it all. John marked the change that happened which is described in Hebrews 1:1 1, 1 through 2. Hebrews 1 through 2. All the prophets and the law prophesied God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. But then he said, all the law, all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, until John. And that's Hebrews 1, 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So John marks the end of the Old Testament and the beginning now of Jesus. And because of that, it says in John 5.35, John 35, speaking about John, he was a burning and shining light. He was a burning and a shining light. A burning and a shining light. What's the greatest burning and shining light physically? The sun. The sun is a burning and shining light. Now, picture a dark room, and you can't see. So you come into the dark room, and you light some candles, and now you can see. And then some brilliant person comes along and turns the light switch on. So now, all of a sudden, you got bright like this. And you say to yourself, I guess I don't need these candles anymore. Or picture the fact that uh, it's dark outside, and you've lit some candles so that you can see outside, and then you wait a while, and all of a sudden, the light is there, the burning and the shining light, burning and bright light, the sun, but you still have the candles going. So you say, well, I don't need these candles anymore. 
The Old Testament laws and sacrifices are the candles. And they're useful in the darkness. They're useful in the darkness. But now that John has come as the bright and shining light, pointing to Jesus as the Lamb of God, well, the candles of the Old Testament, they're, they're not doing anything. They're not working anymore. The dietary laws, the sacrificial system, the traditions, they don't work anymore. Because now we've got a bright light going on. So clinging to the Old Testament laws and sacrifices and traditions is like going outside in the sunshine at noon and lighting a candle to see. Because before Hebrews 1.1, it was God who at Sunday times in diverse manners spake unto, in time passed unto the fathers by the prophets. But the sun's shining now, so now it's Hebrews 1, 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. And for that reason, the Lord said, this is Elias. Elijah, well, Greek, Elias, normally. Verse 14, this is Elias. If you'll receive it, John the Baptist is Elias. Who is that? Okay, Mal last two verses in the Old Testament, in Malachi 4, 5, and 6, last two verses that close off all the law and the prophets are Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So John is the bridge. John bridges the Old Testament with the New Testament, so to speak. Just as Noah was the bridge between the old world that perished and the new world. So that's who John the Baptist is. And that's why when John the Baptist was spoken of by the Lord, he was spoken of, this is Elias. Now, it's not literally Elijah. The Jews think that literally, that the literal person Elijah is gonna come at the Passover, they have a place for him, open the door, let's wait for the literal person to come in. They believe that, but that's not what God told John's father before John was born, John the Baptist's father, in Luke 1.13, Luke 1.13. The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this is John the Baptist. This is the Lord supporting his friend, John the Baptist. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, for having such a great savior for us, a great Messiah for us, a great friend. What a friend. John had in Jesus, what a friend we have in Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, also for the, the faithfulness of John the Baptist and how he did close off the old and bring us into the sunshine of the new. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.